Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Ferranda. Today on the show, I have Hunter Colvin. Hunter is a Triton Fight Center first-degree black belt under Pete Wilhelm. Hunter has competed with the who's who of elite jiu-jitsu, always putting on an exciting show. Some of his accomplishments, being the 2022 ADCC Trials Silver Medalist, IBJJF Black Belt, American Nationals Gold Medalist, Pans and Euros Bronze Medalist, and being a 3-0 MMA fighter. Just a reminder to please give us a five-star review on Apple Music and Spotify, and share this podcast with a friend. It really helps us out. Please leave us feedback and suggestions on how we can improve the show, and become a VIP member for only 99 cents a month, yes, less than a dollar. Get ad-free episodes at anchor.fm forward slash foreverwhitebelt. Like us on Facebook and TikTok at Forever White Belt, and follow us on Instagram at Forever White Belt Show. Go buy your Forever White Belt swag at teespring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt. That is teespring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt. Finally, if you ever get to beautiful Northern California, please come roll with us at the premier Marin County Jiu-Jitsu Academy, North Bay Jiu-Jitsu, just north of San Francisco. There are amazing instructors and everyone there are great people. Mention the podcast and get two weeks free. And with that, I give you Hunter Colvin. Welcome to the show, Hunter. Hi, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. So this is, uh, I was stoked to get you. Hunter, you are, clarify this for me, you're a black belt under Piet Wilhelm? Yeah, I'm a black belt under Pete Wilhelm. I've been with him since I was 18 years old, and uh, he's been my first and only professor. But Jams Partridge is your no-gi coach, correct? Yeah, James has always been like five years older than me, and we both came up under Pete, and he took me under his wing and like showed me the ropes um, the whole time coming up. And so I train at his gym now too as well, which is Brothers Jiu-Jitsu. So you're both at Triton Fight Center, correct? Yeah. Okay, and you're at this other academy as well? Yeah, we're both black belts under Pete, and then James eventually opened his own academy, which is Brothers now, so I train at both. And this is in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Yep. So, Hunter, what's really interesting is there's several things that are interesting about you. One is, uh, which I noticed that you're like open, you're game to take anyone on. Is that a pretty fair assessment? Yeah, to be honest with you, I just, I love competing and um, I just like the challenge. So yeah, anybody, um, I've had matches with people way bigger than me and all pretty much all over the place. Yeah, yeah. You've you've fought some of the best in the world. It's amazing to see your the roster of a competition that you've went against already. You know, your matches are some of the best to watch. I, I would highly recommend everyone go through. And if you haven't seen Hunter Colvin's matches, they're they're pretty amazing. Good. Just go to YouTube and check them out. Super exciting. Is that typically a goal? Not really. It's just kind of how it's always been ever since I hmm. first started out. Like even in the regional tournaments, I've always just been like a kind of an aggressive, like pushing the pace and trying to be exciting. It's not like something I'm consciously thinking about anymore, but I just, I perform my best when I'm having fun. So like, I really make sure I'm having fun out there. And when I am, it just makes for exciting matches. I'm curious what's going on through your head, especially when you end with a victory or something like that, because it seems like you're so pumped and so full of adrenaline. Sometimes you're circling the mat and the ref sometimes physically has to grab your hand and sort of stop you. What's what's going on through your head there? Yeah, man, I'm just like, it's just one of the best feelings in the world, especially after a victory. But like, yeah, I try to tend to get myself worked up and like really aggressive and stuff that I just, it seems to work for me. And then like while I'm out there, just completely in the moment, enjoying it, having a blast, like joking around sometimes with my opponent. Like, it's just where I feel like the most, like where I need to be, you know? Let's backtrack a bit and talk about the evolution of your game. 
Yeah, of course. I um, I started like traditional martial arts when I was about 13 and it was karate and we would do jujitsu on the side of that. And that's kind of like where I got introduced. And then so I, I eventually at 18 started a, at a full-time jujitsu gym, which is where I was under P at Triton. At Triton's mostly a gi school and it had a, a no gi as well, but my coach is like real traditional. And so I did gi and I started gravitating more towards the nogi just because I like the flowy style of it and like the scrambles and how exciting it can be. And then the, the more and more as I do it, the more I've kind of gone away from the gi and just been focusing on nogi because it's so hard to be elite at both, in my opinion, especially mm-hmm. as time goes on. It seems like you're equally good above the waist and with the leg game as well. What I see you often attack is a Kimura to back or Kimura to something super dangerous from the top. And then your leg game is elite. Your attacks and your defense is very impressive as well. So it's it's really interesting to see that development. Is that sort of the progression of it? Was it like your traditional sort of uh, fundamental sort of... I, I've even heard commentators talk about hunters beating people with fundamental jujitsu. Yeah, I just kind of got the best of both worlds. Like I had, I, like I had a really traditional professor in P, and like he got my fundamentals really sharp. And then I had uh, Jams, who like was a leg locker and uh, mm. kind of like more on the like cusp of like the new stuff that's coming out. Like still is. Mm. Like he's showing me all the new techniques and stuff that I'm adding to my game, and just like the combination of those two, like. And for a while at Brothers, the gym, everyone was a leg locker. Like four or five of the guys were just all trying to leg lock me all the time. So I just got so wow. many reps, offensive and defensive with red, uh, leg locks. So can you tell me about the culture at Triton? What's unique about Triton? Both of the gyms I train at have like kind of their uh, own different cultures and stuff. Whereas Triton, mm-hmm. it's a big gym. has about 500 members. It's a, a mostly gi gym and it's mostly hobbyists. Uh, I would say the average age is probably late 30s, early 40s. And um, it's uh, a lot of military, a lot of cops there. And then at Brothers is kind of like more of where all the no-gi competitors go. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit harder training. And so like I usually train at Triton in the mornings, like work all my new stuff, my new techniques and all that and teach my classes. And then at night I go to Brothers and that's where I get my like really hard training in. I'm curious about your game now. Where are you pushing it? Where do you want it to go? I just want to keep improving. You know, I, um, I have some weaknesses like with the triangle that I got caught in over the weekend. Like obviously I just, anytime I just take all my competition as, you know, data, I'll go back, I'll work my triangle Mm -hmm. defenses now, get that better. You know, when I got caught in the buggy, I like Mm -hmm. worked the hell out of the buggy for months. I know it in Mm -hmm. and out now. And like, if you're not, you know, doing that, using the data you're collecting, I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice. Do you go in with, with strategies? No, I, one of my strengths is I feel like I'm fairly well-rounded. So I just kind of like, um, if a guy has a weakness in an area, I might try to target that. Like if I know he doesn't know leg locks as much, I might go a little bit more for the leg locks, but for the most part, I just like to, you know, just be well-trained everywhere and then just take me where the match takes me. What rule sets do you prefer? I would say probably points. I like the points rule set, uh, where position matters a little bit more than sub only. I have a little bit harder time in the sub only rule set, I would say. I, I find it easier to submit people when I can get up on points and they have to move as opposed to when I, I'm not too big of a fan of EBIOT, even though I've done mm-hmm. a whole bunch of it. That is interesting that you say that. Yeah. Because the losses that you have, that, you know, sometimes they're not very dominating. They're these really narrow type of losses, it's subjective sometimes. And especially with the EBIOT, you know, you go through this whole match and then suddenly you're in these these back positions or something like that. And uh, I, I don't know if that exactly tells us who the better grappler is. 
No, 100%. I agree with you. Um, I've lived by the OT sword and died by the OT sword, gotten wins and sure. losses off of it. But yeah, I don't think it really settles who's best because you can be dominating the match or whatnot and then get mm. the start on the person's back and vice versa. I just, um, I would prefer it be like either, I don't know, I, I don't want to say judge's decision because those can be really biased too. Maybe like a first to score or something like yeah. that. That would probably be yeah. my, my personal preference. Yeah. It's funny because I was watching one of your matches and this judge just loved giving this other guy points. And I was like, oh my goodness, man, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, I've had my fair share of those for sure. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about your training. What What is your training looking like nowadays? Like your conditioning and things like that, as well as your jujitsu training? Yeah, I um, do strength and conditioning, like traditional lifting and then uh, conditioning drills like sleds and stuff at my uh, gym about five times a week. I would say. And then um, my jujitsu, I'm usually doing two jujitsu classes five days a week, one jujitsu class on the other day, and then a rest day. What are you doing for recovery? Because that's a lot of breaking down. Yeah, I just um, try to listen to my body and rest when I need to rest. And, you know, um, I at the gym I go to, I usually try to hot tub and sauna mm. and stuff. And just um, a little bit of yoga, hot yoga helps too. Just, wow. You know, for me, just staying uh, loose helps a lot stretching. Don't you love the sauna and hot tub? Isn't that great? Like yeah, a yeah. post workout? Very underrated. What are you doing when you hit like an impasse or like a plateau? Man, um, I deal with this a lot with my training partners, but I really, um, stuff like that doesn't bother me. I just, uh, I love being in the gym and training so much that I just, I, I don't really feel my plateaus as heavy. I feel like if I just, I love what I'm doing and even if it, uh, my progress is taking a little longer that month or that few months or whatever, it'll eventually, you know, eventually hit that next level. You just got to trust it more than anything. So you're not like switching it up or anything like that to get past these things? No, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty happy with my routine now. I'm sure there could be room for improvement and I'm always like looking at for that too. But like mm. for the most part, if I'm like, if it's not broke, don't fix it, you know, mm. or, mm. you know, you know. You did mention these things like the triangle or the buggy. Those were sort of these impasses, or I wouldn't say impasses, but these, I don't know, something, if you want to call them shortcomings or whatever you will, that were highlighted in uh, certain situations that you decided to go back and review and target and pinpoint these things. And then, so how do you go about attacking these challenges? Well, so I, that's one of the good things about competing as often as I do is I get to see the holes in my game quite frequently. And um, for the buggy, it was pretty easy because like for some reason, all, every one of my teammates was just like nonstop trying to bug me, buggy me after mm. that. So I got like mm. a lot of defensive reps with that and offensive, just learn it all in and out. And like jams, I would say um, is really, he helps me so much with the technical side of things because He's like always studying like technique, always like watching my matches, watching all of the stuff that's, you know, DVDs, all the stuff that's coming out. And he's really good at like relaying that information. So I can just focus on competing my day in, my day out, my training. I don't have to study as much because he's studying mm. for me and just like mm. helping me with that, you know. I think that's, that's one of the benefit I have over the other guys is um, after you get to a certain level, you know, they're coaching and they're running their own classes. But like I have somebody who's constantly studying the game and it allows more free time for me to train or do what I need to do because I'm not having to take the time to do that. And I really trust jams and um, that helps too. We've known each other forever. I've noticed you got some phenomenal wrestling. What's your background? 
to be honest with you, I didn't start wrestling until after high school. I was doing, mm. like I said, traditional martial arts. And I wish I would have wrestled in high school, but I just wasn't interested in cutting weight and all that. I was a kickboxer at the time. And I was like, I'm not trying mm. to grapple. You know what I mean? I like jujitsu and stuff on the side, but I was mostly focused on striking. And then um, just being mm. from Oklahoma, it's a huge wrestling state. There's a lot of wrestlers that come in and out of the gyms and high level right. OSU wrestlers and stuff. So I just kind of got the rub and then started going to wrestling only classes and just really took the time to learn it. So I'm living proof that even though you didn't wrestle, you can still learn how to. That's surprising. Yeah. Cause I would have thought you would be like immersed in it, especially seeing like your current wrestling, like performances, you know, within the match. I just wrestle a lot. Like in the gym, I, I really focus on wrestling. Like that's really the only way to get good at it, in my opinion. I'm so fortunate to be in Oklahoma where I can do that. Like just so many people grew up wrestling here. Improving your mobility and recovery will only benefit your BJJ. And as such, we highly recommend you try Yoga for BJJ at yogaforbjj.net. Use our code FWB, all uppercase FWB, to get 20% off your subscription, yogaforbjj.net. So you mentioned uh, that you were interested in striking like that. I noticed that you had some MMA matches, correct? Yeah, I fought four times. Is there any interest in that? Or were you like, I'm going to stick with BJJ? I enjoyed it. I made it all the way to the LFA level and defeated um, all first round finishes. But um, I just kind of found that when I was focusing on both, I had actually moved out to Colorado and I was training at Elevation, which is like where wow. Justin Gatesy and Neil Magny and all them train. So I was getting really high quality training. And I was just kind of finding that when I was focusing on high level jiu-jitsu and high level MMA, I was mediocre at both. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm close to where I want to be in jiu-jitsu. So I'm going to focus on that for a few years. And then, you know, if I I might eventually go back to MMA when I'm a little bit older, like Lovato did mm. or Daniel Cormier or something like that. But it's a great time for jujitsu right now, too, because like people can actually make a little bit of money doing it. It's the golden era. I think I'm I'm, I'm really lucky to be part of this generation of jujitsu. This sport has completely changed in the last five years. Have you seen the changes while you've been in the game? Yeah, 100%. My first tournament when I was 16 uh, was uh, like in a high school, like a rinky-dink high school, and it was dirty mats and stuff. And now you have like these huge promotions like Polaris and all that. And like, it's just, yeah. I, I would have I would have never guessed it would have been in my, you know, my career that this happened. Yeah. You're, you're in quite this sweet spot. Don't you think? Yeah. And then this next generation, I see all these kids that are coming up only training jujitsu and like see what they know at 16, as opposed to what I knew at 16 and just unbelievable. Yeah. So who are some of the, the young talent that you're noticing that's exciting you? I obviously like the Rotula brothers, but I wouldn't consider them young talent anymore. They're kind of anymore, right? To, yeah, we're starting to become a little bit older. But um, you know, just the usual suspects. Uh, there's this kid that I used to train with in Colorado named Wilson Soho. Um, he hasn't like broke through yet, but uh, he's going to be like one of those kids that's going to really make it. So, have you done a lot of cross training at uh, different academies? Yeah, that's one thing I'm super fortunate um, about here in Tulsa is the community is like really uh, tight and like not a lot of bull when it comes to you can't train there, you can't train there. So um, I get to like, it's a really small pond out here. You know, I don't have the level of training partners that like California and Texas have. So I have to train with every single person I can in order to be able to make happen. So you mentioned Polaris. That was a pretty amazing event as well. Congratulations on your victory over Owen too. That was incredible. I know a lot of people were shocked by that one. Thank you. Yeah, I was um, excited to go with Owen. I thought him getting second at Euro trials, ADC European trials, and then me getting second at American trials, it just made sense that we um, we would go. So I kind of got in the Polaris matchmaker's ears about like trying to, you know, I, I want to go with Owen, Owen, I want to go with Owen. So I got the mm. us first round in the bracket. 
And also, I saw that you had competed in PGF, Brandon McCaffrey's mm-hmm. event. How, how was that whole experience? And man, clean sweep. It was amazing what you did. Thank you. Thank you. Um, very unique experience. Uh, I actually like stayed at the gym for like four days and just competed <laughs> three matches a day for four days straight. And yeah, I was actually... I don't know why I was I, after looking back on this, like it was super stupid, but I was getting ready for an LFA fight and I like went and did the PGF as part of my camp. I was like, okay, I need to get a lot of jiu-jitsu for this. So I'm going to like do this as part of my camp and then I'll fly to Colorado spar for like three weeks and then fight. And like I did it and everything went good. But like looking back, I was super stupid. <laughs> so not recommended. Were your coaches thrilled about that or, or what? As, as far as far as like MMA, I, I really like I didn't really have any coaches that like have any control like over what I'm doing. So like it's kind of my own call. I don't know. I kind of like to just do things my own way, man. And they usually uh, work out. So uh, at least with MMA is concerned. But are you very regimented and like organized? Yeah, yeah. I have my schedule of classes that are at the same times. I, I, I really like routine. Like that's really key for a good grappler, in my opinion, is to get into a routine and work hard. Did I hear you uh, say before that you were teaching as well? Yeah, I teach um, some of the morning classes at Triton. I teach the Nogi in the mornings. How have you developed as a teacher? It's good. I, um, I've been teaching for a little while at Brothers and at Triton. And then when I was living in Colorado, I was teaching at Easton as well. And so I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, reps in different environments, teaching different clientele teaching. And um, it's very important because at the end of the day, like I'm going to run my own school as well. And um, mm. I feel like anybody who's wanting to make a career out of jiu-jitsu, the competing is only short-lived. So you have to kind of start going that route. And I'm happy to go that route. And it's kind of just been the, the plan in the next three or four years. So you mentioned that you, you've done some studying, but your coach does a, a great deal of it. What instructionals have really gave you that those wow moments or that you've got real nuggets from or that you go back to? Right now, it's just been the Gordon and um, Danaher instructionals, which I'm sure is a lot of people. The thing that's really been improving my game is like the camping position. It's kind of like when you're X-passing, you know, and you're uh, just kind of like at that angle. It's hard to explain, but um, just the camping and then the mount system, both of those systems have like really changed my game this year, getting the double underhooks from Mal and like jacking their arms up, kind of like what Gordon did to Pedro Mourinho. That's interesting because I have seen you going for those underhooks. Um, it's a miserable position. It's super underrated. And I love when I learn stuff like that from positions. I mean, you know, I'm in mount all the time. I've known mount mm-hmm. forever. And just to be like, hey, if you like jack both their arms up with underhooks and put them above their head, it like does this. And it's just like, wow, I can't believe I've ever thought of that. That's another another thing we're in the golden era of is instructionals. You know, just the amount of information we have because of the internet and all that is really speeding the game up. So when are we going to see a hunter instructional? I I had the opportunity to do one with Jiu-Jitsu X. I'm sure I still do. I'm going to try to put one out in 2023. I'm probably going to do a Kimura or Leglock defense instructional. Awesome. You heard it here first, everyone. Look for that. The skip. Yeah. Yeah. What makes a great Jiu-Jitsu student? Uh, well, to be teachable, first of all, like if you can be a teachable person that, you know, a lot of people can get in their own way, in my opinion, they um, either will be too quick to dismiss a move sometimes, like they'll be like, oh, I don't think that's going to work or oh, that's not going to work for me. Or they like kind of get set in their ways sometimes like, oh, this is how I do it. I'm, I'm not trying to learn anything new. Just basically uh, being teachable, being open minded, like what I'm talking about, you know, I, I've been training for a long time, competing for a long time. But I'm still like trying to take in information, learn new stuff, even for, for stuff I've already known. Like I wouldn't have learned that thing from Mount had I, um, you know, just been closed minded. I just feel like if you're teachable, the sky's the limit for as a student goes. 
Can you talk about some of those moments early on for yourself where you were like, you thought maybe this is position isn't for me or this technique isn't for me only to later on, you know, realize or come back to it and say, you know, that was just me. Yeah, I got it thrown in my face. I um, I was at the EBI that Kate buggy PJ and like no one buggies at my gym and stuff. And I saw mm. PJ get hit with it. And I was like, well, they're 77 kilos. Like he's kind of a thinner guy. I don't know if I'll be able to get caught in it because people had thrown it up on me traveling around and stuff. And I just was able to get out of it. And then I got put in an actual one at trials by somebody who's really good at it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, so like basically got caught with my own ego and got taught mm. a hard lesson. I think that's a dangerous common perception out in jujitsu right now, especially in a lot of traditional academies where we don't play that type of game. If you can pull that out at the elite level against someone like yourself, that we have to take these things incredibly seriously. Yeah, it'll never happen again. I've talked to my, you know, talked to Jams about this. And like everything I take now is at face value. Just like uh, I'm not going to have opinions on it. Just like take it like as if it's scientific. Can you tell me a time that you uh, experienced something in, in jujitsu, whether in, in a class or instructional or in competition or something that, that improved your game? Just um, to be honest with you, just kind of traveling around, experiencing different teaching styles has helped me a lot mm-hmm. too. Because um, I went to, when I was at Colorado, I was I trained with uh, Michael Lear Jr. for a while. And mm. um, he has a way approach to the game that is far different from the way I play it. You know, he's more of a really uh, technical gi guard player. And so going to his classes and learning like the way he does Kiss of the Dragon, like how he's passing from headquarters, like it completely changed my game just because it's a whole different approach to the wow. uh, jiu that I had been doing. So traveling around to gyms like really helps out in my opinion. Wow. So you went to Logos then, his academy there, right? Yeah, I was there for a few months when I was out in Denver and like, I really enjoyed it. Did a lot of gi classes there, a lot of new gi classes. And uh, I really learned a lot. I feel like he's one of the best teachers in the game. So yeah, yeah, very underrated. Yeah, friend of the show. Although, yeah, he has an instructional jujitsu X as well. And he was on the show too. An Autos, incredible competitor in his time too. Yeah, I, whenever I meet somebody who like, I can tell is just like a crazy, like good mind for the game. I like, mm-hmm. I really like gravitate towards that because you can like mm-hmm. see it in people. I, I'm not that way myself. Like I can teach and stuff and I try to study the game and I feel like I'm a good teacher, but there are some people who are just like on a complete whole another level mm-hmm. and he's one of them. And like, mm-hmm. y- you just, you gotta like learn from those people what you can. Can you tell me a time that you ever wanted to quit? Uh, no, to be honest with you, I, I, I absolutely, absolutely love doing this. Like I love competing. I love being in the gym training. I don't know what I would do without it. I'm just, I've done jujitsu uh, longer than I haven't done jujitsu in my life at this point. So it's just, just quitting for me is not, not something that doesn't even cross my mind. I do think about what's going to happen when I'm no longer able to compete. I have those thoughts, but I feel like that's a little bit different. You mentioned uh, starting an academy. It's uh, another season of life. The mm-hmm. season right now is competing and enjoying yeah. that aspect. And then eventually one day, me and my wife will have some kids and I'll raise some kids and run a gym and that'll be the, the next season, you know. Can you talk about your worst injury and how'd you come back from that? Oh, I got hurt in Colorado doing MMA training. I got slammed in a, a drill. We were doing a double underhook takedowns and I got slammed on my shoulder and had a grade three shoulder separation. And that honestly ruined a lot of my performances and um, not making excuses, not taking anything away from these guys. They deserve the win. I showed up how I showed up, mm-hmm. but I did a, a EBI. I did a who's number one match and I did a trials wow. and like 
I'm not the kind of person who pulls out from matches. If I can get there, I'm going to do it. I was about two months of recovery and I just wasn't there quite yet. And I had a bad yeah, run. You weren't right yet. No way. Yeah. So that's one thing that it's important that I do have, because this was when I was in Colorado, I didn't have jams with me there. I, I need somebody to like reel me back. Like I'm the mm. kind of competitor who I'm like, I'm go, go, any challenge, whatever. I'm trying to compete. So I need a coach that's going to be like, hey, wait a second. Don't do this. Think about this. Like that's mm. what's important for a coach to me. Can you give any advice to those who haven't won gold yet? Yeah. I mean, it's just all relative, you know, what's a big deal to somebody, you know, it's just depending on them. The best advice I can have is just like, it's the most cliche advice, but just, you know, train hard, you know, go out there, try to get out of your own way. I feel like that's the main thing with competing when you first start is just like the nerves are so bad and the getting worried and stuff. You just have to realize like, it's what you're doing in the gym, go out there, do your best and like, just um, pull the trigger. I feel like if more people would pull the trigger and Keenan, actually talked about this the other time he was saying that like people who throw more attacks you know tend to have more success because they they have hmm. a higher attack percentage you know more chances to land stuff i feel like that is like kind of the thing you know people just you know they kind of freeze up more often than not when i see people have not very good competition success starting out and i feel like if they could just uh instead of fight flight or freeze just choose fight but it's it's very hard and it's very personal for each person mentally on how they need to overcome that obstacle Let's talk about the rules a little bit and playing to the rules. Has that impacted your game? Have you improved or thought about, in addition to being as good at jujitsu as you possibly can and competing as best as you can, how does playing to the rules, the different rule set, uh, incorporate it within your game? I usually train the rule set that I'm competing for that camp. You know, like if I'm getting ready for, for trials, every one of my roles in my head is a trials match. Like, mm. okay, it's a six minute match. This is a point to that. And I only train that. And then when I'm actually in the match, I'm, I'm really not trying to strategize at all. I'm just like, okay, I've trained six, eight weeks in this rule set. In my training camp, I'm programming my autopilot. And then once I'm out there, I'm just on autopilot. At that point, it's just, it's my job to just have fun and to send it, you know? So there's none of this like, you know, I'm in a bad spot. I should get near the edge of the mat or, or that kind of stuff. I'm sure there's been a couple of times where those thoughts have crossed my mind. But when stuff's happening that fast for me, it's like it's hard for me to have that conscious of a thought. It has to be mm -hmm. kind of a slower match for me to. And like, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who's trying to like win by the, like, I'm trying to submit you, you know, if we're grappling, I'm trying to submit you or I'm trying to beat you like 20 points to nothing. I'm not trying to like squeak out a win, you know, I can't remember what wrestler it was. It was some high level collegiate wrestler, but he was like, whenever I go out there and wrestle and I, I find myself trying to win, like whenever I'm trying to play the roles and trying to win, like, oh, I'm going to do this and do this and win by two, then I usually have my worst performances. It's just when I go out there and like send it, have fun that I like, that's when I do my best. How do you feel about coaching at competitions? It sounds like you'll just go there without a coach at a competition or, or someone in your corner hollering at you, let's say to this European thing or whatever. You're comfortable with that, right? More often than not, I'll uh, bring somebody with me. I'll bring jams with me. But um, hmm. there's been situations, you know, where I took Polaris on two weeks notice where I just went out there by myself. It's preferable to have a coach for sure. I would say that. But um, I'm, I'm definitely comfortable either way. It, it definitely is an extra mental hurdle to be there by yourself. It takes a little bit more mental fortitude. Hmm. But um, it's just something I've learned how to do, you know, just hmm. the reps. How do you prefer to be coached in the corner? Do you want someone hollering at you all the time during a competition or what do you prefer the coaching style I to be? 
I prefer two uh, things. I like him to tell me technical advice, which is like, okay, this is coming from that guy. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Good technical advice. And then when the match is longer going into the, I like to be pushed, you know, like James is like really good at being like, okay, like let's go Hunter. Let's go Hunter. And like just hearing that from the corner, like it's just Mm. for some reason it just kicks me in gear. And like, I'm like, okay, I'm tired, but like, keep going, keep going. This is what I need to do. And just like, Mm -hmm. and like, that's another thing too, is like when you've been with somebody as long as I have, like, and you develop that relationship, I feel like you can find out what coaching style, you know, works best for me and then like implement it in competition. You'll go in absolutes, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I walk around about 202, 205. So I feel like I'm mm-hmm. at a size where I can do an absolute. I mean, those, some of those guys are huge. I mean, for sure. But like, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely don't feel like scared of them, like, whereas I'm going to get hurt or something. So you're like a heavier middleweight, but you can go up exactly. And down. Mm-hmm. Like I had to cut to 185 last weekend. It was a oh, pretty good weight weight cut for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like we have a pro division now. Would you say so? It seems like there's all of these events feel like it's professionals now. There's this like unspoken professional division now. Yeah, yeah, I would 100 agree. And then we have things like trials, or seem like semi-professionals basically getting their opportunity to play with the pros now. I consider it like two different things. I consider the professional scene, which is like Polaris, who's number one, et cetera. And then you have IBJJF and ADCC over here. Those are like the two things, you know. How do you feel about seeing professionals go to these IBJJF Opens and things like that? I enjoy it because that, that's why I do the IBJJF Open. So I, I get really good competition in IBJJF. That's why I, I fly to Atlanta to do IBJJF. And yeah, sometimes you do get people that are not going to be at that level, but um, then it gets you a chance to, you know, for me, put on a show for the fans and stuff and like do some fancy jujitsu that I might not be able to do against somebody that's a little closer in skill. I'm just wondering if like someone like Michael Musumeshi or something is breaking the heart of some plumber at a Jiu-Jitsu World League or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing, though, is like some of those guys like that, too, though. You know what I mean? Like mm, what other sport can you enter in and play LeBron James in basketball? You know what I mean? You can jump in an IBJF and go against a really high level guy. That's a nice way to look at it for sure. It helps me. <laughs> Can you tell us something about you, like in terms of your game that most people probably wouldn't associate with? I feel like I uh, have a good front headlock system. I've, I've pulled it out a couple of times. I've darsed a few people, but I've got a good darse, a good guillotine. Danaher talks about how if you're a scrambler, the front choke, the front system is like really a good tool to be good at. And like I took that to heart. I, I love to scramble. It's my favorite part of the game. Yeah, so. you're a great scrambler. I, so just grabbing guillotines, grabbing darses. I, I feel like that's something I haven't been able, able to implement too much yet, but mm. Um, mm. I do it all the time in the gym. Why do you think that is? Why haven't we seen more of, of that from you? I'm not too sure. I've got a couple of high-level guys with Darces, but um, mm-hmm. it just seems to be the match. It doesn't go that way too much. Like I don't get mm-hmm. front headlocks as much whenever we're going. Do you think it's like perhaps a limitation of scrambles at that level? Perhaps. And perhaps maybe I don't have as many people shooting on me and stuff as I do in the gym, you know, people mm. that are trying to do double legs and stuff where I usually get into the front headlock system. One thing I feel like I, I have one of the best at in the world is um, getting out of front headlocks. I've I've gone against really? Josh Hinger, Josh Hinger, wow. I've gone against Pedro, Pedro Rocha. I've been in both their front headlocks and escape. And um, I definitely think that's uh, like something that I, I, I've really developed over the years. Speaking of uh, Rocha, can you talk about this? Uh, it's almost like this punch choke that you did. Yeah, the diesel squeezel. 
I learned it from a Keenan video on YouTube and like, now, right. like all my teammates have hit it in competition. Now it's like one of our things wow. that we do, but yeah, it's just like anytime they pass your guard to the correct side on the guillotine, if you grab your wrist and you punch choke, I got a uh, Wagner son Achilles with it at trials, yeah. but it's just, it's a really tight choke. It's very unorthodox. People don't see it a lot. And, um, uh, fast. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen people get put to sleep in the gym with it quick. So what's interesting is I've seen it done from uh, standing a standing position. I've, I haven't seen it from the bottom the way you did it, which was interesting. So you're wrapping the individual's head with your arm. You're bringing your fist exactly. in. Exactly. Uh, you got it. Like a monkey grip or something like that. And is it is it like a literally a fist to the what? The carotid, the trach or what? The carotid. There's like a sweet spot you'll find and it's it's about right there yeah and uh, you throw that in and then you take your legs and bottom side control away from the the choke you don't want to bring your legs together you want to, so like if i'm choking you my legs are going to go this way and then that like just really makes it tight for some reason and you don't want to roll them i got elias younger i think is his name in uh england with it and i was wow. uh, on polaris and i was really choking him and i rolled him and it actually loosened the choke so when i went with achilles and got him in it i was like okay i'm staying on bottom and when i stayed on bottom i was able to finish yeah, I love that choke. It's um, I've been able to hit it like four or five times in competition, so it's definitely yeah. proven its worth. Hunter, can I get your thoughts on where do you see jujitsu going, the future of it? I mean, I only have to uh, assume that it's going to keep climbing, you know, now that it's on one and that's on Amazon Prime now, and then right. all these yeah. shows are getting bigger and bigger and the athletes are getting better and better. Do I ever think it'll be a mainstream sport? I doubt it because of the challenge of people that don't understand jujitsu. I don't think they can watch it, you know, like football mm -hmm. or baseball and stuff like that. But I definitely want to see it get to the level of, you know, some of the other grappling sports like American wrestling and stuff like that. Yeah, it does feel like MMA sort of occupied the the spot of that NFL and NBA type of position for this. You have to have sports that people don't have to know as well as jiu-jitsu. You know what I mean? You don't have to right. know fighting. I mean, clearly, so many people that don't know anything about fighting watch fighting. So that's where you see it. Do you see like the talent, obviously, probably getting better and better, younger, younger, as it seems like more and more phenoms. And it, it looks like even the coaching is getting better, the science but of everything. The money is helping. What, what yeah, there you go, the money. 100%. What, what hurt jujitsu is anybody for the longest time, it's still this way in, to an extent, but anybody who wanted to make actual money like went to MMA. And now that you're able to actually make real money in jujitsu, you know, with the one giving out $50,000 bonuses and stuff like that, you'll find more people that are like going to just take the jujitsu route. Right. And save themselves some CTE. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> You mentioned that you went to like several different academies and hey, you don't have to call anyone out, but what are like some of the critiques or I don't want to call it shortcomings, but like things that you could see that someone who has started an academy or wants to start an academy should look out for, perhaps avoid or things, things that work and things that don't work. Man, there's like, I've noticed there's a good middle ground. There's like one way of the spectrum that is like corporatism, where you're doing like everything by the book and you have all this like, you know, meetings or whatever you're doing, everything's super corporate and mm. it kind of kills the soul of it. In my opinion, it mm. kills like the family feel of a gym or like the quaintness of a gym. And then you have the other side of it, which is like, it's super family and stuff, but it can be kind of like a cult. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like mm -hmm. the, the teacher has a 
little too much power or like demands t- certain things from things that I think is unacceptable from, I, I look at jujitsu as like their customers. It's weird because there's like a blurry line because it's like, you know, a martial art and I'm your professor and this, that, and the other, but you're also a customer. I really like 100%. the way, I really like the way Keenan looks at it, you know, about free will. If you guys want to go cross train here, you can go cross train there. I just, it's capitalism. I want to provide you with the best product. So that way you want to come to my gym, you know? And so mm-hmm. finding that good middle ground where you're not just some corporate bullshit that like you don't feel like I care about you and I don't want you thinking I'm your dad. I want it to be like right here. How about like something like an academy that's very loosey goosey versus, you know, you guys can do whatever you want. It's almost like everything's sort of a free roll versus another one where it's like super strict. We're only going to do technique. Yeah, I, I like it like right. In the, I like it right in the middle as well. Like mm. I, I mm. you don't want everyone to be your friend because then they're they can goof off or they like they're not getting their appropriate training, but I don't want to be like so strict where it's like, Oh, we're not having fun. We don't play music here when we roll and stuff like that. I like the martial arts and jujitsu. I know some people like don't really like it as much, but um, I enjoy not only learning the techniques and stuff, but like, I like learning from the people that I train with, hearing what some professors have to say at the end of their classes, you know, about just philosophies they're thinking about whether I keep them or not and stuff. I just, I, I started off in martial arts. So I just, I really love them martial arts side of it too i assume you do the the self-defense aspects of jujitsu not so much not anymore like Mm. yeah just i still train you know striking every once in a while and stuff like that when i have time but Mm. like i feel like at this point with as much striking as jujitsu i've done i feel like i'm I'm well equipped to defend myself in a situation that to the best of my ability you know but you don't want to be asking permission to go drink some water (laughs) no 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 exactly like there's a good balance you know what i mean that's like the main thing with my business in my opinion is just a balance that's an interesting viewpoint as someone who's seen so many different academies all over the world and like what's right for you might not be right for me you know what i mean like my professor is a marine it's kind of a rigid structured gym and i like that like that's how i just i I was raised kind of in that environment so like Mm -hmm. it works for me that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you might not like that. And like, so you, you know, you need to find another gym that works for you. Just every gym has their own vibe and the vibe comes from the professor, in my opinion, like logos is just like how Lear is, you know, his personality, you can see it in the gym, jams is gym. You can see it in the gym. It's, it's just mm-hmm. one of those neat things about jujitsu. Mm. So what is Jams' gym like? Um, just really kind of competition oriented. It's all the, you know, like I said, the main gym has about 500 competitors. So the fraction that wants to be high level competitors or wants to compete seriously will come to brothers. And so it, uh, it it's just, it's a tough environment, in my opinion. It's for learning really, really cutting edge, the jujitsu that you're going to see in instructionals, the jujitsu that people are doing right now, and then competing in hard rounds and stuff. So Hunter, who are the jujitsu practitioners that you admire? This is really hard because I, I really love jujitsu. And it's hard too because I'm I admire a lot of the guys I compete against. And so I try to get out of that headspace too. You know what I mean? Like I'm a fan sure. of Roberto's jujitsu. I've been watching Roberto for a long time. And so when you're competing against these guys, you know, you don't want to be a fan of them. You don't want to, have to get over that middle, middle hurdle. But like, yeah. I definitely enjoy a lot of the people in the sport. If I would have to say the people, I, I love JT Torres. He's like one of the best. I love his, he came to Triton and taught a seminar once. I love his personality uh, and like his, obviously his jujitsu speaks for itself. Him, I, I like Lovato a lot too. I just feel like the ability to do gi, no gi, and MMA and be a champion in all of them. Just you have to respect that. Plus, he's a fellow Oklahoman. You've competed like against him too. Gi and no gi, yeah. A lot of respect for Lovato for sure. 
and then um, Eddie Bravo as well. Eddie was really one of the people that like gave me my opportunity to like break out onto the main stage, in my opinion. Like I was just like some kid from Oklahoma. I had done invitationals. I had done well at trials and stuff. And like, he was like, hey, you know, do you want to do EBI? And like, that's what really like, in my opinion, catapulted me into being able to do the big promotions. He's got quite an eye for talent for sure. So Hunter, where can we get more information about you and everything you're up to? Uh, the best is just follow me on Instagram at Calvin335, my last name. I put all my content out there. I'm going to start doing more uh, technique videos and stuff. So uh, try to get an instructional out next year as well. So if you guys are interested in that, yeah, give me a follow. Well, Hunter, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And everyone out there, don't forget to give us the whole five-star review on Spotify, Apple Music, and give us the follow, thumbs up, and the whole thing. All right, everyone. So I'm your host, Adolfo Franda. Thanks for listening again to Forever White Belt. Hunter, thanks so much for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.